You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you tuned in and uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. We've got a very special guest on today. We have Colonel Paul Wingo on today and... Uh, we're looking forward to uh, talking to him about all sorts of interesting things. And uh, welcome to America's Web Radio. How are you, sir? And uh, good morning. Good morning. Paul is uh, Colonel retired, and uh, as I mentioned to him, we always do uh, something a little different every morning. Or on our military shows, and uh, we start off and we have a just a silent time that uh, we think about our veterans, we think about our past, present, and future military. And uh, if you go to our website, we have on the on our home page is a thing called the J. Roy Ritchie Prayer Line, and. If you're a veteran or you know somebody, uh, know a veteran that needs prayer, we contact thousands of other veterans, and it's like veterans praying for veterans. And so we'll take just a few, we'll take one minute of silence, and uh, we'll be back with Paul. And uh, as always, we'll start it off, too, with a, a cadence call. So we'll be back in just one minute. Okay, thank you, and amen. So, we've got Paul on the line, but we we also like our cadence calls. So, let's do one right quick. We'll do part of it, and then we'll get right with Colonel Wingo. And, Paul, I hope you don't think we're totally crazy, but uh, I know that uh, the Jodies used to help get me through, and uh, I don't know if you were that way or not. You probably didn't need any help getting through, but uh, every now and then a grunt has to uh, have a little little 
extra smile in his face uh, making that last half mile or whatever it is. So welcome to America's Web Radio, Colonel Wingo. Well, good morning, and uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you and your guests this morning. Well, uh, we're we're delighted to have you, and uh, we want to talk about your 30 years in the military. And um, why did why did you decide to go that route? Well, my I have a a family history of serving my country. My father was in World War II, and uh, I just felt like that. Uh, I just felt like that uh, I needed to give back. Yes, sir. You know, we talk about this all the time, and uh, I get very upset about two situations. One is that only 1% of our population ever serves, and I think that's deplorable. And the other thing that I get very upset about is one-fourth of the people on the streets, I can't address other areas, but uh, in Atlanta, one-fourth and one out of four uh, are veterans that are on the street, and that shouldn't be, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I I don't make all the rules, and I don't uh, I can't change everything, but it's still sickening that that, that would happen. You know, uh, when you joined, I think, when did you uh, go in? In 1978. 1978. So... You were close to in the heat of it in in um, Vietnam. What you went to uh, Georgia military? Is that right? North Georgia. I went to North Georgia College, and uh, when I went to the college, the dormitories were basically empty because uh, President Nixon had just dropped the draft, and I I went anyway. That's good. That's great. And, uh, you know, I have, I was at the end of the draft and the beginning of the lottery. And um, then when I, when I did my active duty, my basic and AIT, all, just about all of both of my basic and AIT pl- uh, platoons were college graduates. And uh, that messed up a lot of drill sergeants' heads. I bet it did. <laughs> uh, they couldn't understand why we'd get it in the first day. We'd try it once and get it, and they didn't know what to do with the other two or three hours trying to figure out, well, we're supposed to keep doing this until you get it, but you already got it, so what do we do now? <laughs> you know. So we did it anyway. Yeah, but it was inter- <laughs> it was interesting, and uh, I, think, I think everybody personally should uh, go in the military, and we always put a plug in that, if you happen to be a graduating senior in high school or you just gotten your degree in, from college and you haven't decided quite what you want to do, look at the military. It has every opportunity in the world available to you. I don't care what your interest is. I would anything from fi- flying, uh, you know, to deep water, you know, anything. Uh, the military has a place and has just about all for you. And unlike, let me ask you, did you, well, you obviously queried it, but uh, when you first went in, 
was that your main thing? Well, I'm going to make a career out of this or an occupation, oh, no. really? No. I, uh, I went in on a two-year contract, and uh, my first tour was with the infantry as the medical platoon leader. And uh, I just enjoyed the infantry so much that uh, when I was assigned to a medical unit, it was a little tough to to adjust. But somehow, I just kept I just kept staying in. So you spent uh, a little sort of time. like the carrot, the <laughs> carrot, not not for rank purposes, but uh, it was as if they were they needed me. So I felt like I couldn't get out at that time. That's beautiful. So you spent a little time in Texas, I would imagine, uh, if you were in a medical oh, unit. Oh, yes, lovely San Antonio. <laughs> lovely San Antonio. It is, as a matter of fact. I love it. And uh, uh, so you went, had you signed up to go in the Corps like that? Or you just, by the luck of the draw, got in a medical unit? Well, and uh, when you go to senior ROTC, you you know, you fill out all the paperwork, and it goes in. And I was uh, commissioned Signal Corps uh, as my first branch, and I wrote to the uh, commander of the ROTC region and, and told him I, my heart was set on being a medic. And uh, believe it or not, he changed his mind and put me in Medical Service Corps. Wow. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That is sort of unusual, isn't it? Well, that's it. Well, it, it really is. I came from a family of medical folks, and uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Well, thank you for your service, and uh, you know one of the one of the things that we do here too every every uh, Thursday is salute. I don't. I think not only well, you were certainly brave to be in that, but um, we salute. All the dust off pilots. I just, I think those are the bravest of the brave. Absolutely. I served with many dust off pilots, and, and they are, uh, they are indeed the bravest of the brave. Or the craziest of the crazy. I don't know. Well, no, the bravest of the that's brave. True. That's true, too. Well, they, they certainly did some things that, uh, most of us wouldn't do, and, uh, and at the same time, I'm sure you were riding in the back of that, Huey, and uh, we we certainly respect you for that. And, uh, Thank you. The things you must have seen, and uh, I guess one of the one of the things we and and I would, if you don't mind elaborating on it somewhat or some, but I think I think we were taken aback by Vietnam. Uh, Korea was no no party, but at the same token, it wasn't quite as close and up personal as Vietnam turned out to be. And the things that uh, you know, I, I've heard and talked to friends about. Uh, how could one human do that to another human being? And I think that was the the landmark of that there is no theater or no beauty in war. And I think of all wars, Vietnam probably uh, passed that on the most. And as a medic, I'm sure you saw just absolutely horrendous things. Well, I think that uh, as, you, as you've just spoken, I've always uh, stopped and 
considered man's inhumanity to man. It's it's unbelievable what another can do to a uh, to an equal human being. In Somalia, when I was there, I saw long lines of people standing in line just for a cup of uh, grain. And when these uh, gangs would come around, they would uh, steal that steal that grain from them, kick them out of line, make them make them pay a ransom just to be in line, and then kill them. Many times, it was, it was a terrible thing to watch. It is, and uh, I hope I hope we never have to experience it again. But uh, it seems like. Uh, War is always on the horizon in some shape, form, or fashion that for some reason man can't get along with man. So, you went in as a second lieutenant, I assume? That's correct. And your first base? Uh, what? Your uh, first base or your first assignment? My first, uh, of course, I went to San Antonio for basic, and then I went to Fort Lewis, Washington, 9th Infantry Division. And from there? Uh, from Fort Lewis, I, I came back to Georgia, to uh, Augusta, to Fort Gordon, and uh, uh, from there it's I went to uh, Fort Campbell, uh, the advanced camp, and then it's all over the world. If you want me to go through it all, I will. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe the highlights of it. Okay. Uh, I was at Fort Stewart in the 24th Infantry Division. Uh, actually, I was uh, with the 24th, uh, a new unit at the time, a Ford Support uh, Battalion that was new to the inventory. Uh, I was there right before Desert Storm. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It was... Only three months or so, I was sent to Fort Campbell, and I was sent to the uh, the hospital there. Once I was at the hospital, Desert Storm started, and I was one, I think, one of two active duty uh, officers left in the medical center at that time. Then I then I transferred over to the 86th Evacuation Hospital at Fort Campbell. At which time we went to, uh, we were deployed to uh, Somalia, and uh, from there, thank God we got out of there. Uh, from there, I went to Germany, <clears throat> and from Germany, I went to Hawaii, and from Hawaii, I came back to Georgia. Uh, I was in Hawaii twice. Somewhere along the line, I skipped one. <laughs> I was a general's aide. At in Hawaii, I was a company commander. I was lucky to to have uh, uh, two company commands and three uh, or two two battalions and one brigade. And uh, I I retired at Fort Gordon. Wow! Uh, unfor- well, fortunately, I happen to be a little familiar with Fort Gordon. I I spent a few weeks there every now and then, but. Uh, you know, you almost went just the opposite route. I have a son that's a major in the Air Force, and you went just the opposite round. He uh, he spent time in Hawaii, then went to to Germany, spent two tours in Hawaii, then a tour in uh, 
Germany, and now he's back at uh, Fort Shaw or at uh, Shaw Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. I get my forts and my bases mixed up every now and then, but uh, absolutely, how could you not? <laughs> well, I know somebody <laughs> that I know somebody that just took office that gets things messed up too. So when you get to be well, our age, it happens. Just wait till we start renaming them. <laughs> That's true, and uh, <laughs> in many ways, I hope we don't. But uh, yeah, me too. So you you had quite a career and. Now you're the president of MOAA, and I want to talk about that because I was, I had no idea about the numbers that you gave me. So uh, tell our listeners what MOAA is, and uh, I'll bet there are a lot of folks out there that have no idea. Well, you're probably right. When when an officer gets out of the service and, uh, in my case, retires. You know, you have a lot of opportunities to join a, a lot of great organizations. In my case, I decided to join uh, MOAA, the Military Officer Association of America, and I also joined a uh, life member of uh, USAA, obviously. Those are the two main ones. I didn't want to spread myself too thin. I am a member of the American Legion here in my hometown. But uh, back to Georgia MOAA, every state has... Uh, an organization of military officer association. We have a national headquarters uh, in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, and you say, well, why do we, why do we need such an association? Well, we never stop serving. And when we get out, you know, we may, we may be asked to get out because of our age or because of our, we didn't make the next rank or whatever it was, but uh, what we like to do is continue to serve, and what we do is we lobby, in my case, the state of Georgia, uh, the legislature, and we also lobby uh, Washington, D.C. each year on uh, legislation that pertains to all of our soldiers and our spouses, our families, and that's where we get the most traction. It This is an organization of all services, uh, to include uh, NOAA, which is the uh, the uh, National Oceanic uh, folks, and uh, we also now have a new branch. It's uh, the Space Force, and I wanted to join an organization that was uh, that was made up of all the services, and they have so much to bring to the table, and we really do have. Uh, we make great strides. We take care of, uh, we don't take care of completely, but we uh, support the uh, Georgia War Veterans Homes in uh, Milledgeville as well as Augusta. Uh, we we go to the VA. Different chapters do different things. We have 14 chapters in the state of Georgia, so each one has different projects. And all. We, in my case, we go to the uh, Veterans Hospital at Christmas time, and we we put together like 150 gift bags. And what we try to do is get those to the patients, and get those to the homeless, and get those to people that would otherwise not have a a Christmas. But better better than that, just just to be thought about. You talked about homeless veterans. We support homeless veterans. Um, we uh, we are very. We were very much in, in, involved in supporting our junior ROTC in the state of Georgia. Uh, in the 
in the Georgia Mountain Chapter, for which I'm a member, uh, we have 21 high schools that we support. And we go to these schools and we mentor uh, we mentor their advisors and we give scholarships to uh, to the uh, stellar cadet uh, each year. We also give scholarships to the University of North Georgia to the senior ROTC program. You know, we uh, we work closely now with um, Warriors. It's called uh, Warriors to Citizens. Are you familiar with them? Warriors for citizens. No, warriors to, and citizens. Warriors to citizens. Uh, they basically work with folks that uh, are coming back from their deployment, and if it if they have a problem, uh, you know, there's somebody that they can turn to, and that's warriors to citizens. The transition period. Did you have when you transitioned back to uh, Georgia, or when you came back from from Nam? Uh, did you, I'm sure you didn't, but, uh, you know, a lot of folks have a transition, uh, period from, and being in the, in the, uh, medical area, like I said, you saw some things that God help us, nobody else will see, but, uh, did that affect you any on your transition back to uh, being a civilian? Well, absolutely. Um, I think the. The toughest thing for me was Somalia. I, I suffered a bit of PTSD. Um, thank God it's not severe, but it just, uh, I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. Man's inhumanity to man. I just, we're just not built that way. And so all I could, all I could think about was the death and dying over there. Hmm. And, uh, thank God, uh, through his help, I've, I've pretty much, uh, been able to overcome that but uh, you were talking about transitioning I have to tell this story Um, I am a Christian um, and when I retired I was definitely type A uh, personality and I was going to get out and do great things uh, in the civilian world I was going to run for legislature and so forth and so on well God had a different plan and the plan he had for me was when I retired in August of 2008, I'd never had any uh, back injuries at all until my 90-year-old mother had me picking uh, vegetables in the garden, and I broke two discs wow. <laughs> that, that morning. And so when I broke those and they had to operate, the Lord had a different plan. He said, uh, you're going to slow down one way or the other. And... Uh, so it took me about six months, um, and it really slowed me down. I couldn't bend over anymore, so forth. Couldn't do the things I had had hoped to do or was able to do at the time. And that was just his way of slowing me down and saying, it's time to take an inventory of your life. And uh, I didn't go back to work. And after that surgery, what I did was I started volunteering and so now I've got to get a job to get a day off. <laughs> uh, once you, it's sort of uh, downhill after that, huh? As far as uh, volunteering, and you know, we just had uh, we just did a program. It's called uh, the Doctors' Lounge, and we have uh, Doctor 
Scott Barber, who is an orthopedic surgeon, but mm-hmm. Scott, probably more than any other doctor I know anywhere, gives of himself all the time. And, you know, as a Christian as well, um, I think one of the one of what you have enjoyed is that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Absolutely. you've been able to give your time and volunteer and and uh we we just had uh, on Scott's show he had uh, I don't know if you know the name Inky Johnson I'm sorry I don't Okay Inky was destined to be a professional football player and he was 8 games away from signing a contract and uh, made a tackle and since then his right arm has been paralyzed and his hand is paralyzed and uh, he almost died because of his injury from a tackle that he made which he like he said he had made a million of them like that but this one was just you know and like he says he's a motivational speaker now and like he says he had his plans but somebody else had bigger plans for him and that's why he's a motivational speaker but you know there's there's all sorts of kinds of reasons and uh, a lot of a lot of folks uh, suffer from PTSD and you wonder why you made it back and they'll say well but my best buddy didn't and I don't understand why he didn't and I did and uh, right it's uh, you are so you are so correct there's uh, there's nothing you know, we glamorized war sort of after World War II, and you know, and I, in many ways, I call it more or less a clean war. And there's no war that's clean, but still, uh, there was a lot of. It wasn't like Vietnam by any means, and uh, no. I. Uh, it's it's a shame that more people, and particularly our folks in Congress don't understand what war is really all about. It's not just about money. It's not just about... It's about people. And um, I'm tell me more about what uh, MOAA does. Because I like the lobbying thing and helping people, when you're lobbying, understand, and I'm sure this is a big part of it, understand what... You know, it's, it's one thing to issue... From the from the House Chambers, uh, uh, one thing. But if you're not there, you don't know. Rules of engagement are always one that kill me. How do they know what rules you should apply to a different circumstance? Well, they they will only know if we educate them. See, there's. Everybody has ideas. Everybody doesn't have good ideas. And um, what we do is we, we read legislation. We try to read legislation to see what is left out of legislation. We then uh, lobby them to put uh, verbiage back in legislation that should have been there to start with. Um, we do things like, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the survival uh Survivor benefit benefit program. We yes, have uh, we have uh, spouses that are, are remaining, of course, and uh, for years they've been penalized for receiving uh, 
the SBP payment as well as uh, uh, veterans benefits or other benefits, Social Security benefits. And so just now, after all these years, we uh, MOAA has been successful in lobbying to get this done. Now, even though it took a three-year rolling transition to get it done, uh, it will happen, and it's happening now. That's just one example. An example in Georgia, for instance, uh, you know, we are not equal to other states in what they do for their veterans, for instance. So what we try to do is look at other states, see what they have done, see what they have been able to accomplish, and then we try to apply that to Georgia. An example is military retirement pay. Uh, It does not necessarily apply to those of us that are over the age of 60, 65. The state of Georgia is very good to its senior citizens and tax base and all that. But what happens to a young enlisted soldier when he gets out as a uh, P-7 and he decides to retire and he has to make a decision whether he retires in Alabama or Georgia or South Carolina or Tennessee or Florida and our surrounding states. And he looks at the tax structure and he finds out that uh, Georgia is not as beneficial to live in as one of our bordering states. So he makes the de- he or she makes the decision to live in our bordering state and perhaps would even uh, drive back over for work. Um, but most of the time they work where they live. And so we try to convince uh, our legislature that uh, we can we can do this. We can help a, a 45, 48-year-old, give them a tax break for their service and pass that on to their family. They'll buy houses. They'll pay taxes that way. Um, they'll live in the community. They'll pay t- sales tax. And so we should not tax them on their income. But again, Georgia has not kept pace with most of the, uh, a lot of the other states, should I say, Colorado being the last one. Hmm. And so we're working diligently uh, to pass legislation for our uh, military retirees. And you, you say, why do we lobby? Well, if, if legislation in the state of Georgia, it, you have the ability to read the legislation for two years in a row, and then it goes away if it's not passed. We're in our second year of H.R. 7, and uh, to give you an example, the wording in that legislation is not correct because they do not, they do not uh, have the complete listing of, uh, of uh, service, uniform services, for instance. Uh, they're always leaving out uh, a couple of the services, like the Public Health Service and NOAA, which are equal in uniform services. That just gives you an idea of something we do. We do it from the grass level, grassroots level. We go and talk locally first to our representatives. And these days we do virtual uh, virtual meetings with different committees. Uh, we go to Washington as a, at the national level once a year. We've been doing it virtually because of COVID, but it seems to it seems to work really well. Uh, MOA is very respected nationally as well as in Georgia uh, when you have this many members and when you speak the truth um, leg- 
the legislators uh, listen to you. All right. Uh, Paul, we're going to need to take a quick break. We'll come back with Colonel Paul Wingo, retired, right after this. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And want to remind everybody, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we've got a very special guest on, Colonel... Paul Wingo retired, and we'll be back with uh, the colonel in just a moment. I want to remind everybody, too, that uh, we work very closely with the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and Colonel Rick White retired. And Rick does just a superb job of being the director of Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And please, if you haven't been to it or you're traveling into Atlanta – It's right across, it's in the Floyd Veterans Building, right across the street from the state capitol, and it's it's a day of, that you just, you won't have any place else. It's it's a beautiful day, finding about, finding out about all of the heroes from Georgia that have served their country to keep us safe. And uh, we also work closely with Mike Mazzell and the Johns Creek Veterans Association that bought the Vietnam traveling wall. That's a uh, 50% size of the wall honoring those that gave the ultimate sacrifice that's in Washington, D.C. And the um, healing wall now has a permanent home in Newtown Park, which is in Johns Creek, Georgia. And it's worth, it has brought closure to uh, many a family and many a friends of those that uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice in Vietnam. So you're invited to that anytime. And also, uh, Monday through Friday, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, both of those are well worth going to and taking your kids to. And uh, Paul, correct me with this, but we also encourage anyone that's a veteran to um, get their grandkids, their kids, their grandkids, whatever, put them on your lap and talk to them about what it means to be in the military. And as we said earlier, we certainly support college graduates, high school graduates. If they haven't made up their mind yet what they want to do in life, look at the military. It has a position for you. And... So many, like Paul, get in, they love it, and they stay in it. They make it, it's not only a a job, but it's a career. And it 
offers opportunities that are just unbelievable. Uh, unfortunately, I wake up in the morning kicking myself that, that I didn't stay in. And uh, unfortunately, at my age, they wouldn't even consider me coming back. But it's a, it's a great, great opportunity. You'll meet people. You'll make friends that are lifelong and forever. And uh, so did I say anything wrong, Paul? Paul, I hope I didn't lose Paul. Um, so, uh, Paul, have you come back on? Well, hopefully Paul will uh, say something in a minute that uh, he just took out a short time to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with uh, Paul momentarily. And uh, let's uh, hear from Rocky Blyer, okay? Hi, this is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. Paul, are you there? I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual okay, fundraiser I, for St. Jude's I, Children's I, uh, Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations anyway, we'll, do so much we'll to support to veterans, right first responders, this. and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this. Okay, let's get back to uh, Colonel Wingo, retired. And that must be a good feeling, too, retired. Well, I guess uh, there is a sense of accomplishment, but I... I like you hear on TV all the time for the from these warriors. They would do it again in a minute. Oh yeah, you know this is something that uh, when when I'm doing an interview and I have yet to have one that hadn't said if they were called again, they'd raise their hand and be in in a heartbeat. And we have uh, General Dix did that. He he was retired and uh, he was called back up and he's been the logistics coordinator for the pandemic and we're we're so That's very great. proud that we know him and he's a good man uh i always ask one really hardball question paul and so it's about time i ask you this uh, okay. can you name one veteran that you know a friend or whatever that can t- tell just one story of while they were in the service. Do I know one that Do, can tell a story? One one veteran that can tell only one story. Oh, no. They have many stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you crank them up, it's hard to stop them, huh? It is. I have a lot of Vietnam veterans, friends. Uh, I love to hear them talk uh, about their experiences usually they don't talk about their worst experience but they talk about their fun experiences and uh it just i just love to hear it and that's why i'm a member of the american legion locally to give our veterans an opportunity to tell war stories and fairy tales and so forth and (laughs) we just listen and um enjoy enjoy each other well that's what it's all about that's what it's all about david you in the last segment you asked uh, 
you were talking about different things that we do for one another. I want to tell you that that uh, whether it be Wreaths Across America or the Georgia Veterans uh, Hall of Fame or whether it be MOAA or uh, the Legion or BFD, whatever it is, we have to be part of these organizations to keep to keep patriotism alive, to keep the flag high. And uh, you were talking about bring our kids to these events, absolutely. And uh, every opportunity we have, we should take our grandchildren, I do, to these events to let them know that uh, that our freedom is not free. No. And we've paid a great price for that freedom and, and our, our, uh, our national treasure, well, the soldier. You know, it's a sad scenario today, but um, the veterans are now a very, very, and play a very, very important role, in my opinion, as history books, because unfortunately our public school history books are not reflecting, giving three pages to World War II is sort of ludicrous. And well, absolutely. This is why we do a show on remembering desert shield and desert storm we do veteran shows like this one we do uh, uh pete uh mecca does a wonderful show called a veteran story and we have to keep pushing and putting in front of the public and kids what being an american is all about and and what it means to raise your hand and and take the oath and it's we have the greatest we live in the greatest country in the world but if we don't maintain that history it'll there'll come a time that we won't have our great volunteer military and you were you're so right david what i was going to mention is uh not every organization uh as one of their tenants holds uh, patriotism as one of their their absolute first goals but for instance the american legion has uh, and has had and continues to have since world war one uh, as one of its tenets patriotism and so we have the opportunity to go into schools and talk about patriotism and what it means and what i would like to reiterate this morning is especially after this uh, last election we have to we have to find a way to uh, not re-educate, but sometimes educate because people just don't know about uh, our freedoms and freedoms of uh, not only freedom of religion but freedom of speech. And when people disagree, we don't have to pick up arms. Um, we don't have to shoot each other over who's right, and who's wrong, but we have to come together and negotiate and find out what these issues mean to each other and we have to agree to disagree many times and move on and we have forgotten what patriotism means in that regard you know we we honor and i'm i generally will read the constitution i don't know once every one or two or three months, but just to refresh myself on it. And uh, I find it just, you know, such an incredible document. 
and how our founding fathers could see that far in the future and address so many issues that they wouldn't even really know that they were addressing at the time, but they did. And uh, what it means to... I don't know about you, Paul, but when I when I took my oath, uh, I had chill bumps, and sure. you know, and I still do when I see. Uh, uh, in many cases, when I see something that's military, I, I'll have the same feeling, and uh, an honor guard is one of them. And we're just so fortunate to have a wonderful country, and have lived under, had wonderful founding fathers that addressed so many issues, and the amendments are so important. And uh, the First Amendment and also the Second Amendment. And we well, you know, David, uh, I always uh, stand back and in awe, at, just like you said, the founding fathers and what they were able to come up with, but never never uh, underestimate the fact that that they asked God to help them um, put that document together and and as I go back in history and and I hear about they would have in many times many cases a day of prayer mm-hmm. uh, before they would start uh, their negotiations and uh, I don't know about you you were talking about tear in your eye when I hear the the chaplain of the uh, Congress in both both houses are chaplains in our state houses. When I hear those, when I hear those prayers, I, I have a tear in my eye because it's such a beautiful prayer. And to think that people could go back to uh, being ugly to one another, as we say in the South, after prayers like that, it's just amazing that they could do such a thing because uh, these prayers that are lifted prior to um, the day's chores they not everybody listens to apparently <laughs> unfortunately we know, you know we excuse me we have well I just remember our founding fathers it was so important it was so important to uh as far back as George Washington, it was so important to get a, a copy of the scripture in every home, for instance. Uh, it was so important that they used federal money to, to place a copy in everyone's home. And you say, wonder why they did that? Well, because our law goes back to to the Mosaic law. And uh, if we would, we would just realize that... Uh, that that the scripture, the Bible, has so much in it that we need to get back to and quit fussing and feuding. We our days are limited, and we have much to do. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's that's the answer to all of our problems. But you know, we've. Uh, God hadn't kicked us out. We've kicked God out in so many That's cases. That's exactly right. And, uh, You're so right, David. We uh, we just we have to, and in our schools, and you know, I again can't imagine starting even up 
to the point I I can't remember exactly, but I know all the way through grade school and junior high school, it was good to start the day off with the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. And your hand over your chest, over your heart, and uh, and then the the time to. Uh, a silent moment, and that's why we do it on on this show and many of our shows. Mm-hmm. But we have to we have to get our priorities straight and re- realize that we we don't have the answers; somebody else does, and somebody much more that's important right. than we are. And uh, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of retraining to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I just well. Taking prayers out of schools, it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. And, there, well, there are a lot of things today that I can't believe in my age. Well, that's but, true. But I also you know. think that I also think that we, you were talking about, we may not be able to, to be in the service any longer, but we're in, the, we're in the Lord's Army out here every day, and we need to be able to be able and ready to fight and I use that word not in terms of picking up arms, but to challenge those in authority because it's gotten so out of kilter. And when we look back at our Constitution or we look back at our our uh, rules of engagement for our country, we find that someone took a detour from the playbook. Mm-hmm. And we just need to convince these people in, in authority that we need to bring it back into check. Yes, sir. Um, okay, so future plans for MOAA. Well, <clears throat> one of our future plan, one of our chapters right now is uh, has a new initiative in Millersville, Georgia, at the old Capitol chapter. Uh, one of our uh, Georgia War Veterans Homes. Uh, we have uh, started a new program called Together Again. And this is much like, uh, much like the concept of the Ronald McDonald House, uh, Fisher House on military bases. And what this does is we try to negotiate within the community with the, the different hotels to get a, uh, a, uh, a discounted rate for the families of these war veterans. It is a rural area and it's tough to, uh, to go and visit. Uh, you accumulate a great deal of debt when you go to visit. We're trying to relieve the burden on getting these uh, war veterans um, a visit from their families. And we think that we can uh, facilitate more visits. And by the way, a visit is worth all the medicine in the world. Absolutely. So, uh, So that's one of the initiatives we're taking right now. Uh, the Augusta chapter is going to be looking into the uh, the Augusta War Veterans Home and doing the same. Um, for years, the Georgia Mountain chapter has had uh, fundraisers to support the, uh, our wounded uh, through a foundation called uh, um, the Warrior Foundation. And, uh, I mean, we just constantly come up with different uh, opportunities that can help veterans, whether they're wounded or whether they're still on active duty. We we do uh, 
packages. We Many of our chapters mail out packages all the time to troops. You can't make a troop any happier than sending them something from home. Sure, sure. By the way, we uh, I want to touch on this. We're going to be uh, Phil Forsberg. I don't know if you know Phil or not, but um, Phil was a Desert Shield, Desert Storm veteran, and uh, but he's also very active in, and I, I assume, do you have a uh, service officer in uh, MOAA? Yes. Okay, so Phil is very active in, and is a service officer, and we we have learned over the past six months, year, and part of it's been personal in that I had a, a my brother-in-law died and uh, was uh, in the Cuban blockade. And we found out all sorts of things about veterans' benefits and what was and what is and what isn't. But we did, we, I didn't realize how many veterans, and certainly veterans' families, don't know all of the benefits that are available to those that have served. And so, Phil, we're starting a show called veterans benefits and uh trying to educate the public if they have a question about something or you know everything from hearing aids to glasses to you name it and uh uh death ceremonies uh burial ceremonies so forth and so on and uh we invite anybody that has a question to uh you can email it to uh, GM at America's Web Radio, and we'll find you an answer. And this is, we we support all of the veterans, all branches, and we will try to get your question answered. And uh, it sounds to me like you all work in the same direction, Paul. We do. We have uh, we have certified. Uh uh, service officers, if you will, at the national level. We don't try to take the place of the VA, but what we try to do is direct traffic, help people with their claims. One of one of the most important things that you can do as a veteran, uh, that so many veterans, for whatever reason, have a problem doing, and that is filling out a piece of paper that's called a claim with right. the VA. If everyone would do that and and become approved or denied, it will make it so much easier in the future when you're, you pass away and your spouse is left. Uh, there's so many great uh, benefits out there for families uh, when you're no longer with us and your spouse is trying to make ends meet. Um, there's the uh, Georgia Department of Veterans Services, David. It would probably be wise to get a representative from that organization on your benefits program. Um great organizations they're in different uh, in the different locations in georgia we have one here in gainesville and so instead of us uh instead of us trying to give out secondhand information what we try to do is send them to a representative of the georgia department of veteran services they'll fill out all the paperwork for them and get it moving and that's uh, the great thing about the state of georgia helping its veterans before we leave today, I wanted to give you, give the listeners our website at MOAA. That would be uh, www.gmoaa.org. Gmoaa.org. 
and we would love for you to to join us in our different 14 chapters within the state of Georgia. Uh, we we accept uh, we even us Army guys accept all services, so <laughs> not not to worry. Uh, but we have a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of camaraderie, and we'd love to have uh, the officers, whether they be former officers. And that's the great thing. You, if you've just been an officer for two years, three years, four years, and think you can no longer be part, that's not true. You, you can be a former officer, retired officer. Uh, we'd love to have you. And I assume, or well, no, I'm not going to assume. Uh, Paul, will you come back on another time? Well, I would love to. Great, great. We will have you back. I'm sure Rick will arrange that and look forward to it. And we do appreciate your service. And um, I uh, I was an EMT many years ago, and so uh, nothing like what you did in Vietnam. And uh, well, I was number 985 in Georgia. Pardon me? I was an EMT in Georgia oh. also. Oh, were you? <laughs> Nine nine eighty five. That takes you back. Yeah, uh, I was I was in Texas. So uh, gotcha. anyway, well, we we use the ten four code or the ten code. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, Georgia did back then or not, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for being on, and uh, we look forward to having you back, and we will be back right after this with more programming on America's Web Radio. Thank you, Paul. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.